0: And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It is a big day. It's an exciting day. Uh, I am blessed and excited to be able to share with you more about where we believe God's Holy Spirit is leading Covenant Church over the next 10 years, His call for us, and also be able to share with you a little bit more about where we believe God is calling Alana and I and our new launch team, even as we continue to serve here in this county and in this city. Um, I am going to do the unthinkable and try and walk us through the entire chapter of Acts 16. And so you heard the first few initial verses this morning, but we're going to get right to it. And I want to offer you, you'll see in your scripture sheet, three main applications as we walk through this chapter this morning. Those three are this, joining God's mission of salvation brings renewal of the Holy Spirit's authority. Number two, joining God's mission of salvation brings new believers. And number three, that joining God's mission of salvation brings new churches. Now, let me say right off the bat that if you are not a believer this morning, if you'd say, you know, I'm not a Christian, or I'm still trying to determine who Jesus is and what his relevance is to my life, you may already at this moment be do- doing an internal or even external eye roll and going, I'm so tired of Christians because they're constantly trying to convert me, and it just bugs me. Well, yes, yes, a little bit. Um, I am. We are. And I want to raise that because we don't share because we think we've got it all figured out, because we think that we're better than somebody else, we think you're better than you. We share the good news of Jesus because it is the best news, because we have experienced the grace, the forgiveness, the new life that only Jesus Christ brings, and we don't want to just keep it in here. We want everybody in this city and in this world to know that same good news, and if it's any encouragement, we can't help talk about it because we really do believe that it's true. We really do believe that Jesus is alive. We really do believe in the resurrection, and so as we open the word of God and hear the good news of the gospel from Jesus this morning, I would just offer that to you by way of encouragement. So let's look to number one here. Joining God's mission of salvation, it brings renewal of the Holy Spirit's authority in our lives, in our churches, in our ministry, in our families. Let's reread a portion of Acts chapter 16. It begins this way, and Jonathan, you pronounced all those Greek cities different than me, so we can compare notes afterwards and figure out who was right. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's interesting. And when they had come up to Mesia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mesia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remain in this city for some days. The Holy Spirit returns us Always to his plan. See, we ought to at all times hold on tighter to God's vision, God's plan, and the Holy Spirit's direction over our own plan, over even our own vision. There is a team known as the Send Institute, and their their vision is just to help in the planting of new churches in North America, and they recently wrote a document that they simply call the Church Planting Manifesto, and there's 12 statements that they make, and the first of those 12 statements, and there's a reason it's first, says this, we believe prayer and obedience to the Holy Spirit in light of the Word of God take priority over systems and structures. You get that? See that idea? You know, for us, that's a very personal reality. Alana and I began to sense the calling to church planting um, over five years ago, and five years ago, I promise you, we were ready. We were ready right then. We had it all figured out. We were good to go, and we began gathering a launch team in the city of Rockledge, and then the Holy Spirit said no. And at the time, we did not have a full picture of what God's vision, what God's plan was. But I promise you, even now, being able to look back over that season of life to be able to see God is always faithful. And God used that, if nothing else, to return us to the reality that the Holy Spirit is in charge. And even in doing that, he has given us a new vision. He's even given us a new city. Hold on to that phrase for a little bit later. I'll tell you, even in the immediate, just in the last couple of weeks, and we've shared this in one of our prayer newsletters, so maybe you've heard this already, but you know, we have inquired with 12 different locations where we might in the future hold worship services in the south end of Palm Bay. And so some of these are schools, some of these are commercial kind of storefronts, and out of those 12, we have gotten 12 no's so far. And a few years ago, I might have had an internal or even external panic attack, but now because of what God is doing in our hearts, we simply look at it and we go, okay, that's God's no, that's God's no, and we're just going to wait patiently for when God says yes. Because it's about his authority. He doesn't need my ability. He's going to do what he is going to do, and so we trust him for his yes. Not only does the Holy Spirit lead us back to his plan, it reminds us of his power. Because you see here, God sends his vision. After he says no, after the spirit of Jesus says no, then he reveals his vision of a man of Macedonia who is simply crying out, help us. And Paul and that team of believers understand what God is saying. And so they immediately say yes to God's yes And oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit leads them instead to the biggest city in the area of Macedonia, the city of Philippi, to where God knew, Paul didn't know, but where God knew that there were people who were ready to hear and to receive the good news of the gospel. And so the question right off the bat is, who is your man of Macedonia? And are you in submission to the Holy Spirit's leading to be ready for when God presents that person, those people, that city, Where is your Philippi? I promise you, he is calling you. The question is simply when and where and who. He's calling you out of your plans, out of your normal, out of your comfortable to be sold out to the mission, his mission of salvation, new believers and new churches. And you notice, when did they follow the authority of the Spirit? The scripture literally says, immediately. They didn't stop, they didn't debate, they didn't form a committee, no votes were taken, they didn't consult their calendars, they didn't even make one of those super cool pros and cons lists, they just went, they just obeyed, and in so doing, they renewed their commitment that the Holy Spirit has authority over our lives, over our ministry, and over our church. May it be the same within us. The Holy Spirit also returns us to his Priorities, not mine, his. You know, I've been discipling a new believer uh, these last couple of weeks, and we've been going through the Book of Romans together. And he asked me a question that kind of stopped me in my tracks. He said, "How do I know when the Holy Spirit is talking to me?" And I went, "Hmm, that's a good question." I had to stop for a second, had to kind of go back to the Scripture mentally, and I thought, "You know what?" Uh, Whatever answer I gave him, it was not cogent, but having had the time to think and pray, um, this passage gives us a beautiful picture of that because there are times that the Holy Spirit does like he did with Paul when he visually or audibly speaks and he says, do this, go here. The Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And yet the scripture is clear that the everyday faithful way that God communicates with us is that we can speak to him in prayer. He's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that the scripture is God's word, his final word. And that everything that we need for life and for godliness is contained in the scripture. That is how he speaks to us. But this passage is a reminder to renew our priority of the Holy Spirit's authority, the priority of prayer, the priority of the Word of God. Because, you know, this kind of all began in Acts chapter 1. Here we are in Acts chapter 16, but back in Acts chapter 1, it begins with 120 very average Joe Christians who had seen the resurrected Christ And the last thing that Jesus says to them is, wait. Wait until I send the Holy Spirit. And they did that. They waited. And when the Holy Spirit came, ordinary believers like you and me began to share the good news about Jesus and planted new believers and new churches in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and around the world. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Number two, joining God's mission of salvation. It brings new believers. And we're going to look at three little passages here now as we continue to walk through this chapter of Acts. It begins with this, verse 13. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we were supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. This is a spiritually interested person. It says that Lydia is a worshiper of God. And what that means is in some way or form, she was clearly very religious and very open to spiritual things, but she doesn't know Jesus yet. How many people in our city are interested in spiritual things? How many people in our city have spiritual type questions Maybe they grew up in the church but have left and have been gone for years and they would be very willing to talk and to investigate the scriptures. Lydia is not alone, certainly not in our city. And I love how simple and how beautiful this is. It just says they went outside. They went to a place of prayer, a place where they knew spiritual things were going to be taking place. They sat down. You don't need a seminary degree. To sit down and talk. They shared the good news. Um, If you don't know, if you have kids my age, the place that you should be spending this summer as the temperature raises is Planet 3. It's awesome. There's air conditioning, and there's trampolines, and there's a nice little comfy couch where I can sit and watch all that happen. I love that every time, whether it's Planet 3 or wherever, every time I am in a public space, I turn around and my wife is inviting somebody to our new church plant. Talking to somebody about spiritual things, because it's easy. It's an opportunity to invite, to talk. What does that look like? Come to our house. Come to our church. Come with me and let's, let's read through the book of John together. Simple things to be able to share the good news that you've experienced with someone else. It says the Lord opened her heart. I love that because it takes the pressure off of you and me, and it's not about you and me. It's about Jesus. It's about the Holy Spirit, and it says that Paul shared the Holy Spirit worked, and Lydia believed, and she became a part of the family of God. New believer number two. We we'll call this woman an enslaved person, and this really is an awful story that God redeems in an amazing way. So now we're going to look at verses 16 through 21. This is Paul and his team of probably four or five believers. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. This girl, probably most likely a teenage girl, is spiritually enslaved. She is possessed by a demon that in some form or another allows her to tell fortunes or appear to tell fortunes, but she is enslaved to a demonic power. She is also physically enslaved because horrible men have owned her and they use her and abuse her to make money off of her. This is literally the definition of modern day human trafficking happening here in Acts chapter 16. But what should also jump out to you is that this was unexpected, because this section began by saying that Paul and his group were on their way to the place of prayer, which they should be doing. God had led them there, but the Holy Spirit had another person in mind. J.D. Greer looks at this passage and he says, you know, this is one of the reasons that we know that the Bible is true because it tells the truth about Christians and how messed up they can be. In this case, kind of a jerk because it tells us how Paul was acting. It doesn't say Paul moved deeply in his spirit, overwhelmed with compassion and the love of Jesus, spoke to her in a soft, kind voice. It says he was annoyed and ticked off, and to make her be quiet, he cast a demon out. That's the reality sometimes. So even your worst efforts at sharing the good news, even when you don't care and you stink at it, the Holy Spirit can redeem your weakness for his glory and the love of his people. Amen? Jesus has conquered sin and Satan and death. And so here, at the name of Jesus, this demon is cast out. And in the same moment, not only is this woman made free of evil spirits, she is simultaneously made free of these evil men because as soon as that demon is gone, those slave owners have no interest in her anymore. And their attention turns to those Christians. It's worth thinking about this because our own city is filled with people who are physically and spiritually held captive in many ways by the effects of sin. We call them marginalized, at risk, trafficked, even quite literally enslaved by the demonic. Let's be clear, this girl was not headed to the prayer meeting that morning. She had no interest in the prayer meeting that morning, and it is a reminder to us if we want to reach people who are hurting, we have got to go outside the four walls of our church. We have to find those people because they may not even be ready to be found, but they need help. They want help. What they need is Jesus. And how many of us, in some way or another, this is our story, that we can share in that moment, I was a slave to this, and Jesus set me free. That's a story we can tell. New believer number three, we'll call him the secular person, and this is our longest portion of the chapter, so hang on. This is verses 22 through 34. The crowd joined in attacking them. Why? Because they've just freed this woman. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas But call, Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. I don't think it's unfair. This guy would say of himself, he was a secular guy. Roman jails were normally run by sort of a semi-retired, battle-hardened Roman soldier. This is a guy who is also not headed to the prayer meeting. Church, this is such a reminder, though, as we listen to this story unfold, that your suffering as a part of God's mission is not a waste. These guys are publicly stripped beaten with a cane, they're in a dark prison, they are essentially sitting in layers upon layers of raw sewage with their legs locked into the stocks. There was no trial, there was no verdict, there was no sentence, and oh by the way, these guys are innocent. We're thinking next year for Easter, in addition to the uh, the photo booth, that we're going to do kind of an experience Acts chapter 16 scenario where you can come, you can sit in the raw sewage, you can put your legs in the stocks, It'll be awesome. It's a new outreach strategy. Kind of help pull everybody together. Let's be clear here, though. To evangelize and to church plant is front line battle. That is the reason that they are in a prison, and that is the reason that Matthew chapter 16 verses 18 describes this situation spiritually as climbing over, through, and breaking down the walls and the gates of hell to reach in and rescue people who are headed there and bring them new life. That's the scripture's description of what is happening here. And how does it play out? At midnight, Paul and Silas are singing and worshiping God. What's your response in a situation like that? The way, guys, that that we respond to pain and suffering, persecution, even injustice, speaks loudly for who Jesus is. The prisoners, and in this case, the prison guard, are listening. And then we see the power of God at work. We see the power of God's mission of salvation in an earthquake. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Do you know why this is happening? See, because if you think about Paul and his life and his story, remember, Paul was a murderer. Paul was a murderer of Christians And yet he himself is the one singing out in a Roman prison because Jesus has made him free. Even though he is in a prison, he has been set free. And if it means it requires him to hang out in that prison to see one more person join him in freedom, he is willing to do it. God made him free from his chains of sin. So if you are thinking this morning, who is Jesus in my life? What is his relevance to me? Is he real? What does this have to do with me? I would simply say to you, do you want to be free? I mean, really free. See, because here's the deeper reality. This is the bad news of scripture. God the Father has the right, the justice, to put us in a prison for all eternity, a prison called hell, because we are, I am, guilty enslaved to sin, but instead of that, God sent his one and only son who was stripped, who was beaten, who was mocked and scorned, except he didn't go to prison. He went to the cross. He went to death for you so that you wouldn't have to, so that you could be freed from sin and freed from death. That is why believers can't help but talk about this. What's the result? This secular jailer, Roman soldier, believes. Why? Why do you think he believes? After years of having no interest, why do you think now he believes? Well, the first, I think, is this. Paul says to him, don't harm yourself. You understand the grace in that? Like this guy has just beaten the trash out of Paul and Silas all night. He has done the worst possible things to him, and now Paul is very aware, if I get up and walk out, this guy is toast. And yet he says, we're still here. That is grace on display, and it begins to speak into this man's life. Not only that, he heard them worship God in pain and suffering. And now he has seen evidence of the God of this universe shaking the prison open and making a way for his people to go free. And so he can't help but cry out, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul, I can imagine, looks at him and says, do? Nothing. There's nothing you can do. It's what Jesus has already done for you. And in the shortest, most beautiful gospel explanation, he says, believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's grace, it's free. Don't you want some of that in this city? You wanna see some of that in this county? In this nation, you wanna see God continue to move, see chains unbroken, see people who have rejected God for years experience life and hope, see people who were imprisoned and enslaved go free spiritually, physically in every possible way. That's what I wanna see in our city. God using this church, our churches, the church of Jesus Christ in this whole country around the world to do that. So number three, Joining God's mission of salvation, it brings new churches. And we get this in particular from the very last verse here, verse 40. Short and sweet, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. What's going on here? Well, God's mission of salvation always leads to new believers, which always leads to new churches. They're having church in Lydia's house. That's what's happening here. There may be five. There may be 20. We don't know how many people, but they are having church. How do we know for sure? Well, literally 10 years later, Paul writes a letter to the church at Philippi. It's in the New Testament. It's called the Book of Philippians. Is this an isolated situation? No. If you brought your Bible this morning, or if you didn't just think mentally, let's go to the New Testament, go to the table of contents. You got your Bible, just flip open, very front, second, third page. Look at the table of contents. What do we get in the New Testament? First, we get the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That is the story of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. It's the good news. And then what happens? Then Acts happens, and that's where we are this morning. It is story after story after story of believers like you and me sharing the good news. New believers are the result, and those new believers create new churches. Let's continue on. What happens after Acts? Well, then if we keep going through the rest of the New Testament, we get a couple of books. Romans, First and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first and second Thessalonians. What are each one of those? Churches from cities that Christians went and shared the good news with. Over and over and over. From Acts to this morning is regular believers like you and me going to cities, sharing the good news, new believers, and new churches covenant, we want to be a part of planting 50 new churches, locally and globally, by our 50th anniversary. And if you're new here, it would be helpful information to know that we just celebrated our 40th anniversary. So what we are saying is that over the next 10 years, a part of what we believe the Holy Spirit is leading us to do is to be a part of planting 50 new churches, locally and globally, over the next 10 years, with at least three to five of those being in our own local mission field of Central Florida, even closer in Brevard County. This is what 100% of all of the money that we put forward towards Faith Promise Missions goes to, the planting of new churches, Just a couple weeks ago, Jonathan and I had the pleasure of meeting with one of the lead pastors in Cuba, a country that by and large, it was almost impossible for missionaries and for the gospel to get in until as recently as 2015. And this man's vision for Cuba is to plant 10 new churches in the 10 most major cities all along Cuba. And that each one of those churches, that will be a little tiny house church, would then plant little small groups. And that as those grow up to maturity, those little small groups would then become more new church plants that would plant more small groups that would then become more new church plants. And it ends? Never. That is the vision and we get to be a part of supporting them in that work. Now what about America? Do we need new churches in America? Do we need new churches in Florida? Do we need new churches in Palm Bay? Yes, yes is the answer, why? Well, first of all, because of this, because of the example of the New Testament, because of the command of the Great Commission to go into all nations, discipling them, baptizing them, teaching them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he tells us to go, and you know what he never tells us to do? Stop. He never says stop. Let me give you a second reason. Because the church, and I use that term in the most broad way possible, in America, the church in America, in many ways, has lost sight of the Great Commission, the authority of the Holy Spirit, the priority of prayer, the priority of the Word, the fact that Jesus is who he says that he is. Let me make you barf. This is from the president of Union Seminary, who was interviewed by the New York Times just in time for Easter, just to give you a snapshot this is, this is her words. Seminary president. When you look in the Gospels, the stories are all over the place. There's no resurrection story in Mark, just an empty tomb. Those who claim to know whether or not it happened, meaning the resurrection, are kidding themselves, Jones said. Crucifixion is not something that God is orchestrating from upstairs. The pervasive idea of an abusive godfather who sends his own kid to the cross so God could forgive people, is nuts. For me, the cross is an enactment of our human hatred. But what happens on Easter is the triumph of love in the midst of suffering. Isn't that reason for hope? No. Asked what happens when people die, Jones responded, I don't know. There may be something, there may be nothing. My faith is not tied to some divine promise about the afterlife. Brothers and sisters, my faith is tied to an eternal promise of an afterlife in the face of Jesus for all time where my sins are removed and I have life eternal with the God of the universe. Amen? Yeah. That snapshot is where, is where the church becomes a country club. And so, my prayer for her, because I am just as broken as that particular person, is that she would know the joy of knowing Jesus personally. And this is not just out there. Uh, A local pastor friend of mine, in the last several weeks, we've been teaming up with a larger group of pastors. We're making phone calls to other churches, like minded churches in the area to say, hey, will you partner with us in some specific ways as we do gospel mission work here in this county? One of the phone call responses, quote, we don't use words like gospel or evangelism in our church. Click. It's not just over there. It's here. What about the next generation? Do you know that the youngest religious categories in America, according to Barna, that is, those with the median age of between 34, 39 years old, my crowd, listen, these are, the, these are the religious groups for that age group, the most popular, in order, Hindu, Muslim, Atheist, Agnostic, nothing, Buddhist, you know what the oldest median age for a religious group in America is? I've told you this before, I'll tell you again, at 59 years, the Presbyterian church, in America, if you're new here, that's us. We're the oldest group. Does that mean we don't like old folks? No, it's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we haven't handed it off to the next generation. That's why we need new believers. That's why we need new churches to disciple them. There are 589,000 people in Brevard County. There are now four PCA churches, our crowd, in the county. That's it. You may say, well, we're not the only church. We're not the only show in town. Amen. Absolutely 100% true. So one of the things that I've been doing in the uh, friendship evangelism class that we, we just talk about, how do I lovingly share the good news with people and not freak them out? One of the things that we do up front is we just do a little number game. And we say, okay, start thinking about all the churches that you have in your mind that are in this county, big, small. Give an educated guess as to the total uh Attendance within that church. Okay, here's a big church, here's the number, another church, here's the number. And as we add that up, we have not gotten to 10% yet of this county. And that's optimistic as we remember that sitting in a chair is not salvation. Just because you're here does not mean that you know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It is a faith and trust relationship. We need more churches. I'll tell you personally, We are not planting a church because we think we've hit the magic lottery of best worship style. It's not it. It's a beautiful mosaic of churches in this county and around the world, and we just want to add ourselves to that. Different people worship different ways. One God, one Savior, one Lord. We're not planting churches because we think we've figured out the perfect way to do kids ministry. It's so much better than everybody else. No, 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 no. We just want to be a part of discipling the lost into the found. That's the reason. That's the purpose. We want to see the city of Palm Bay saved. That's it. Listen to God's vision that he gave to John near the end of his life. You've heard this scripture a number of times. Listen to it afresh. This is Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. See, God's final vision is for a new city. That believers from every tribe, tongue, and nation might be a part of that new city. And so the Holy Spirit empowering, guiding, leading us to make new believers and begin a new church in our city. And I'm excited to share with you that that is New City Church, that we believe God is leading us forward into. Very simple what's the vision? To see God make our city new by the gospel. How are we going to do that? What's the mission? It's the Great Commission. To glorify God by being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's the mission of every single church that says Jesus is Lord. So I would ask you, pray for us. Pray for me. Pray for us. Often, as you think of it, as we begin to gather our launch team, even this month, much of our launch team is here this morning, some from covenant, some not from covenant, but it's a new church. It's a new church for the city, this city. Covenant, let me ask you to think of this like a parent. You saw your kids graduate it's a wonderful, joyful moment as you see the people that you have invested in for years from birth literally raised up to be sent out. I have good news for you. We have graduated. Even better. We're moving out. We're going by God's grace. So if I can give you my valedictorian speech in just a sentence or two, Covenant Church, stay on mission bring gospel restoration to people's deepest need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and bring it to our broken world. The Holy Spirit uses us, regular, average Joes, you and me, to execute his mission of salvation, new believers and new churches Renew your steadfastness to the Holy Spirit, to his mission, as you seek to make new generations, new stories, new believers, and new churches. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, all glory and power and honor be unto you. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are a God of justice and of truth. And Father, it is only by your grace, your forgiveness, you sent your son Jesus Christ to live the perfect life, die on the cross, and then rise again from the dead so that sinful people like me could be forgiven and saved and spend eternity with you. Father, we desire to be used to see new people experience that same grace and to see new churches planted here, across the street, and around the world, Lord, that might be a part of the great commission of discipling people from the moment of that first conversation about Jesus until the moment that we see Jesus face to face. God, would you use us? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.